Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. to the December 5th edition of the Old Dominion Libertarian. I'm Joe and Rufty, and I'm here tonight with Andy Craig and Jeff Klebb. Jeffrey Sanford might join us a little later. How are you guys tonight? All right. Good. So uh, I want to start off by asking you, Andy, about your campaign in Wisconsin. Um, 
what was your final total there? Uh, it was about uh, 32,000 votes, which was about 11.5%. Not bad. Um, and I, yeah, I hear that you bad. did sp- I, I hear that you did speak with Gwen Moore on election night. How did that go? <laughs> it was pretty brief and cordial, uh, and before she, you know, she was busy just starting to panic about the presidential results when I spoke to her. <laughs> oh, you could tell in her voice, I guess. Yeah, we didn't um, talk about it, but that would have been about the time of the evening it was when the, the forecasts all started to turn. Yes, well, I think we're all panicking now. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, so um, what do you think about um, some of Trump's um, picks for his cabinet? Uh, we have General Mattis and uh, I forget the woman that he's talked about for education secretary, but a lot of people are saying if you've got to have a secretary of education, she's the one. Yeah, she's uh, she's really pro school choice. Um, one unfortunate thing is it seems like they might be leaning towards doing a federal voucher program of some sort instead of just you know abolishing the Department of Education and leaving it to the states. So that might be a bit of a mixed bag. But um, she's probably one of the more positive um, picks from a libertarian perspective. Um, not wild at all about Jeff Sessions as Attorney General. Um, not too crazy about picking a general to be Secretary of Defense. We'll see how that goes or not, but there's a pretty good reason why that usually isn't done. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I mean you know, uh, what I find to be funny is that um, – Trump said he was going to drain the swamp, and it doesn't look like uh, he's he, – he, well, well it, it looks like he's draining it right into the White House, but um, <laughs> who knows? What, what did you say? I just oh, thought that no. was funny. He said draining the swamp into the White House. It gave me a bad <laughs> visual. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that was one of his campaign slogans or whatever you want to call it. He said he was going to do that, and, I mean, Jeff Sessions, really? I mean, you know, I, somebody on Facebook said atrocious. a couple of days. I mean, from a libertarian perspective, um, basically none of the things that we might tend to agree with conservatives on is I see any decent on, and that the stuff we disagree with conservatives on, he's really, really awful. He's a big drug warrior, isn't he? He is. He is. Uh, he's a big drug warrior. He's a big immigration hawk. Um, you know, yeah, it's not uh, not great. Well, somebody was saying on Facebook the other day, um, they, they said Eric Holder's looking better and better every day. And I, I'm thinking, well, I don't know about that. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I, Trump must owe – Somebody something to have picked Jeff Sessions, and and then you've got well, oh and Jeff, this is this he, is he owes Jeff Sessions because Jeff Sessions was 
basically for the longest time the only senator who supported him. Um, he was the you know first one, and for a long time the only one. Um, so I mean, you know, that's it's him getting his his payback. Wasn't he, wasn't Jeff Sessions the one that said um, grabbing a woman in a certain location is not sexual assault? Yeah, yeah, I think that was him that stumbled into screwing up that answer. <laughs> there are safe zones on women, <laughs> safe spaces on women. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. Well, I mean, <laughs> well, and then I think the well, kicker, though. At least he didn't pick his own personal lawyer who once had to have it explained to him by the media that marital rape is not still legal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I think the kicker, though, is and, – and I laugh because the Trump supporters, they're basically saying, well, he's just doing all this now because he hasn't been officially sworn in and – He's doing that to appease the people who might be against him being elected, and he's trying to make it so he can get through um, January, and then once he's sworn in, he's going to go back to everything he talked about on the campaign trail and keep all of his promises, and he's going to get rid of all these people that he promised things to, and this, you know, like Rance Priebus. Really? Chief of Staff? I mean, really? Well, I mean, I think, he's I like think, the main one think, people wanted to get rid of. I think people are giving uh, Trump too much credit for strategic thinking. I still think he blundered into this, and I still think he's pretty clueless. Oh, I'm I'm sure he's clueless. Um, although, I will I mean, give him credit for you know, one thing. I mean, that's that's the meme that's been going around is him sitting at a laptop and Googling what does the president do. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, what did, what did Alec Baldwin do on Saturday Night Live um, after the general came in and, and talked to Trump about his really great plan that nobody but him knows about? And he said, we need to, we need to, we need to get ISIS. And Trump and Malik Baldwin said, yes, we do. Yes, we do. And then he goes to the computer and he types in, what is ISIS? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's I got to say, Alec Baldwin the... does do a good – he does a good Trump. <laughs> he he does really do does a good Trump. Trump. <laughs> he does a much better Trump than whoever that was they had doing their Hillary. Yes, I agree. <laughs> yes, um, but um, yeah, I I think that Trump, I think he's in way over his head, and um, I will say this though, it may not have been Trump's idea, but whoever had the idea to can Chris Christie, um, they deserve a medal. Well, I mean, I um, think that was almost unavoidable. He'd become so toxic, there's a decent chance he might go to jail himself now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean oh I mean this has just been one crazy election and now you have Jill Stein wanting to do a recount. What's since you're in Wisconsin, Andy, what, what do you have any update on what's going on there? 
Yeah, they're doing a recount, and it's not substantially changing the numbers exactly like everybody said it wouldn't. Um, and there's a lot of local county and town clerks who are working extra hours. Um, so, yeah. Uh, uh, I will be right back. I got a boy from the phone. What's that? What's that? Uh-oh. I lost you there for a minute. Um, uh, is Andy, are you still on the line? I think Andy's line I, took a dump. I, I heard something go, bzzz. I think he got electrocuted or something. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, Hillary <laughs> might be listening in. <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. But he didn't know the Clinton, so he's okay. <laughs> I don't think that matters. <laughs> I, I do not think that matters. They will go after mm-hmm. anybody. But um, but we'll wait for him to come back on the line. And, um, you know, it's, you know, Jill Stein was on, I think it was RT a few days ago, and they were asking her why she was doing the recount. And she said, well, because I I may have gotten the Green Party ballot access in several states, and and there was fraud going on, and I just want to clear everything up and and make sure Mm -hmm. that all the votes are counted. And they said, well, are you doing this because you would rather have Hillary win? And she said, oh, no, I I said all along that that, – that um, Hillary Clinton was far worse than Donald Trump. Um, so she said, I would never want Hillary to win. Um, and, of, of course... I'm coming her, back, by the way, so uh, my pizza getting there. You what? I was just letting you know I'm back now. I was my, my pizza getting here at the front door. <laughs> oh, okay. We didn't we we didn't know what had happened. Um Jeff said it sounded like you got electrocuted, and I said um, maybe Hillary's listening in. <laughs> but, um, but we were, ta- we were talking Jill about Stein Jill Stein. Stein. You mentioned that, uh, you know, she claimed, oh, I might have hit ballot access threshold. Um, and none of the, in all three of the states, she's doing the recount, and she either already hit it or is too far away that she's not going to. Yeah, I mean that they were asking her if she was just doing this to help Hillary Clinton and like I said, she said, Oh no, I, I said all along that Hillary Clinton is far worse than Donald Trump and we're not doing yeah, that. Yeah, do you really think she believed that? Do you really think she believed that? Uh that's Seriously. what she I don't, said. I don't know what Jill Stein really believes. <laughs> You know, I mean, that's just like that guy. What, who was the guy, McMuffin or whatever his name was? That The guy oh, from Utah, McMuffin. I I just think of McMuffin. I can't think of his name. Egg McMuffin, but, Evan McMullen. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, all of a sudden he just disappeared. You don't hear anything about him anymore. But wasn't his main goal to keep – wasn't he trying to keep Gary Johnson from winning one state? That is the uh, suspicion that a lot of us had is that he was running as much against Gary as he was against Trump or Hillary. And um, he wound up taking about 20% there in Utah. Um, 
you know, I, I, I can't say for sure whether or not we would have won Utah without him in the race or not. But, um, you know, that was certainly a state we'd been targeting. All of a sudden, here comes the tailor-made single-state candidate. Um, but, yeah. Hmm. Have, have either yeah. of you heard anything? Uh, have, has, has Gary Johnson said anything since the election? I haven't really seen anything about him on the news. Well, I haven't you got, heard him on you Facebook. Got his, you, you got um, he, he sent out an email thanking everybody, and um, he was very cordial think, and said Trump is the pre- president, and we have to respect that and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I believe it um, – did do a brief post on like Thanksgiving or something like that. I mean, I'm sure he's, um, you know, went on vacation as he's going and until at least January. Is he still going to do that bike ride? Uh, as far as I know, yeah, that's his plan. That's yeah, uh, he was going to do like a four thousand mile bike ride, but but smoking pot <laughs> makes people really lazy, right? <laughs> yeah. That was pretty funny. It's like, oh well, smoking pot makes you lazy. Well, he climbed Mount Everest with a broken ankle, so right, you know. <laughs> uh, I guess it doesn't have the same effect on everybody. Well, <clears throat> I was, <clears throat> excuse me, I was talking to Andy a couple of days ago about um, a guy that hosts a libertarian-themed show, uh, Jason Stapleton. And on one of he's not a fan of Gary Johnson for whatever reason, uh, and I suspect he's an AP fan. That's what I what I gather. But he was talking yesterday or the day before. No, it was for, I think Friday about Gary Johnson um, promised that he wouldn't smoke pot on the campaign trail, but it's quite clear that he that he never stopped because when he when he did stop taking a puff, he would get very angry at reporters for asking questions that you shouldn't get angry about, and I'm going, what? And I guess he's referring to that that um, time he was in yeah, that I can, room. With- I can tell whoever's saying that is, is full of crap. Um, you know, Gary Johnson didn't have time to he was doing, you know, 12-hour days flying all around the country. When he got mad and snapped at a reporter or whatever, that was usually the reason is because he'd been, you know, running around doing a rally and, and 30 interviews, um, you know, flying from one city to the next. That, that you know, <laughs> the, the, this idea that people can, you know, mind read Gary and say whether or not he was, you know, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I was also asking you, and you said you'd never, you'd never heard of him, um, Chris Spangle. Um, I was listening to something that he that he did, and it's him and another guy, and they were talking about Bill Weld endorsing Hillary Clinton, and um, and I, I I wrote them. They never responded, but I said, show me where he endorsed Hillary Clinton. Show me where he said, please vote for Hillary Clinton over us. You know, I said, show me where he said that. And, of course, had they written back, they would not have been able to to show that. No, no. Um, Um, Yeah, you know, I mean, there's 
the way I look at it is the people who are already haters are going to continue to find reasons to, you know, my random homeless guy who crashes on my couch could have done better because I like him. Um, you know, that's <laughs> Well, um, one thing that Jason Stapleton mentioned, I think it was either Thursday or Friday, is that now I don't know who he talked to, but he said Libertarian Party insiders on the LNC have told him that they're going to try to get Bill Well to run in 2020. Now, there's probably, I mean, I don't think it's any secret that there are probably people looking at that, whether or not it happens, whether or not he's at all interested, I wouldn't have the slightest idea. Um, you know, we'll see. What do you think uh, his chances would be? I mean, if he start, you know, if he ran and if he started now and made some effort to, you know, uh, repair some of the bridges and, I mean, I think it's doable. Uh, wouldn't be a sure shot, but, um, I mean, I think the bigger question is not could he get nominated is, is does he have any interest in, in running? And I'm not, I'm not so sure about that, but he wants to be our 2020 nominee, um, you know, there's been some talk that he might run for Senate too, um, and I don't, I don't know. We'll we'll see. He says he wants to stick around and stay involved in the party, though. And I, uh, you know, he was saying that on election night in Albuquerque, and has said it since. And I certainly, uh, I certainly take him at his word uh, on that. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what the future holds for Bill Weld. But uh, um, I mean, anybody talking about the 2020 nomination at this point is. About three years early. Well, what what do you think? Um, because there are some people who are saying this is the wrong um, attitude to have. Uh, Stapleton being one that said this, that um, the Libertarian Party is saying, "Oh, look, we got almost four percent. That's the best we've ever done. So now we have to run another centrist candidate in 2020." Um, because if we run a real libertarian, then we're going to go back down to 1%. And I, he's not the only one that said that. Some other folks have said we need to run a real libertarian because had we done so, we would have gotten at least 5%. I disagree, and I have a feeling you feel the same way. No, that's that's absurd. I mean, I can tell you um, I don't think any of the other candidates seeking the nomination would have got half as many votes um, as we ended up getting. Um, I, I think I don't think they would have. It probably would not have even broken two percent. Um, just because you know they didn't, they never. You know, it's easy to step aside when nobody's attacking you and say, you know, oh, I could have done better. It's something else entirely when you're actually in the spotlight, and we know that Austin Peterson would have been torn apart um, by the opposition and that John Mag, you know, there would have made it, there would have been headlines all over about what a joke we are and attacking us all, you know, for the same reason that they ended up attacking Gary because they're worried about, you know, losing votes to us. But, um, well, as far my as thought is that, well, you know, as, as far, far as, as what? we should run another, as far as whether or not we should run another centrist or we should run a more hardline candidate, look, my first question when I look at a candidate is not how radical or moderate they are. It's are they a good candidate? 
And when most of these people talk about real libertarians, they mean their homeless buddy that crashes on their couch who, you know, will smoke a joint with them. Um, I, I want if, if somebody comes for I mean Nick Sarwark in, in ways is a rad, is you know his sympathies are a little bit more on the radical side, but he's a he's a well spoken, um, hardworking, smart guy. Um, I think he would make a great candidate for whatever he might decide to run for in the future. Um, if the radicals bring us a good candidate, by God, great, we've got a good candidate. Last time they didn't. And I'm skeptical that they will next time, but we'll see. Well, when have they? Can you name a time when they have? I'm just asking. I'm not. Uh, uh, no, honestly, I can't think of. There was probably only the only time where there was definitely kind of like the more radical candidate arguably beat out a more pragmatic candidate was in 84 when, or it was the 1983 convention because they had it a year early when. Uh, Bergman beat uh, Earl Ravenall was his name, uh, and you know that ticket ended up not doing great in the general election. They were down, you know, they went from one percent with Ed Clark in 1980. I think he got about a quarter of a percent that year. Other than that, uh, no, there's never really been a time when the party nominated the more explicitly radical candidate, and it's. You know, often because, I mean, when there is um, a candidate who comes in and is a good candidate, they're not perceived as a, as a radical. They're perceived as the middle-of-the-road mainstream candidate then because they have, you know, people supporting them from across the spectrum. Exactly. And that's and I see a lot of people now um, in the radical caucus claiming that, you know, Gary got – Gary and Bill got three points. Three percent, and you can't get that if you just have libertarians voting for you. And so we need to go back to candidates that only libertarians would vote for. And you know, I just, what world are they living in? Right. What? What is the point of that circle jerk? <laughs> I. Well, because I. I guess they're. Their their line of thinking is is that in order to get these other people to vote for them, they have to compromise on libertarian principles. And you know, I, well, then, I why, then why run I it guess. all? Why why have a candidate? <laughs> like if all you want to do is have your libertarian club, then go have your libertarian club. The point of running a candidate for office is to try to win. Otherwise, you're wasting everybody's time, and you're wasting your effort to put a name on the ballot. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree That's with that. That's absolutely true. You know. That's true. Um, I mean, if you told somebody... So, well, here's the other side. I mean, people are talking about, you know, Gary Johnson. More people have voted for Gary Johnson than every previous libertarian presidential candidate combined. Um, you know, before Gary Johnson, we couldn't even beat Ralph Nader. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's true. It's been four elections in a row when we hadn't beat Ralph Nader before Gary ran in 2012. Um, yeah, people can nitpick and people can say, oh, if this, that, or the other had been done different, you know, something might have turned out better, maybe. But I don't think anybody can argue. I'm not in, 
hearing somebody try to argue uh, that Gary Johnson has done more for the Libertarian Party than any other person in its history. He certainly oh, yeah, and I known. think he was treated horribly. I think a lot yeah, of people treated the, him really bad. That's unfortunately the habit the party has of eating its own and then, you know, casting scorn on its candidates for not delivering miracles. And by LP standards, getting up to four and a half million votes is a miracle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It it. <laughs> I mean, I would certainly have liked to have seen five percent. Um, and and one thing one thing that does bother me is that um, towards the end of the campaign, they were making it well known that we needed five percent in order to get the you know the federal funding and. And right. to be a, as one person put it on Facebook, a real political party. Um, and there are people out there who knew that, and still said, "I'm, you know, I've got to vote for Trump or I've got to vote for Clinton." Um, I just, it was so easy for me to walk into that um, booth and 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 check off Gary Johnson's name. I just don't know why they couldn't do that. Well, you know, I mean, that's um, the unfortunate trend is that you either break with a third-party candidate, you either break up and you get the momentum going in your direction at the very last moment as it snowballs and people, you know, you break through that viability barrier, or it doesn't and you decline at the very end because people, you know, they can't win. And, and, and you know, people talk about all the um, – you know, the gap, the Aleppo moment, or or Bill Wells, you know, saying Hillary didn't belong in jail, as if that's some awful thing to say, um, and all the rest of it. None of that budged our numbers. I mean, I saw, I saw what we what we had, and I also you know saw all the published public polls. Um, none of that correlated at all with any decline in our numbers. There was one thing and one thing only that did it, and that's debate exclusion. Once we were excluded from the first debate, we, we it, our trajectory went from going up to going down, and we stayed on that exact trajectory trend line from then until election day. Yeah, and, you know, and I have no doubt that the, that, um, what's his name, McCurry, I have no doubt that that's the reason. You, you remember when um, uh, Mitch Daniels had that conversation with him, that video conversation, and, and he right, said, well, right. this is an important election and you need to let him in. And he said, oh, but we could get sued. Well, they're already being sued. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, they're pretty much going to be sued no matter what. Yeah, I mean he was he was left out of the debates intentionally because they knew that that he would get nowhere if he wasn't in the debates. And, and I don't and I, people I, said Gary shouldn't have as upfront as he was about that, but I mean he was when he was challenged about that he just shrugged and said, "Well, it's true." And it is true. Um you know, I mean, this is still uh, the best that I think any – This is other than Ross Perot in 96, 
This is the best any candidate's ever done while being excluded from the debates. Well, the the argument that they make regarding that goes like this: that Gary was was bringing too much attention to the fact that if I'm not in the debates, then I can't win. And all you're doing is making the people who don't want you in the debates say, well, then we definitely can't put him in the debates because he won't win. He already said he's not going to win if he's not in, so let's just keep him out. Prove him right. Right. So, I mean, really what it comes down to is that decision. I mean, the CPD is just the front. The decision is made by the Republican and Democratic candidates. And, you know, in 92, they managed to both convince the other, you know, convince themselves that Perot would hurt the other more. This time we were kind of in the opposite situation. We had both Trump and Clinton convinced that we were hurting them more. And so neither one of us, neither one of them wanted us in. And that's, you know, really the CPD is just the smokescreen. They're designed to absorb all our hate. Um, that's their sole purpose for being. The decision is actually made by the Republican and Democratic and I, I just don't see how we're going to break through that um, for the future. I mean, I don't know what the status I mean, I of Gary's lawsuit is. Well, there's some hope in, how to, in the primary debate. I think if there's any hope, it's for the networks to take it back and run general election debates like they do primary debates. We're all right here. Here's CNN putting on the CNN debate at this time and place and yada, yada, you know, and – it, it won't be, like, entirely competitive because it'll still be mainly about whether or not the Republicans and Democrats will show up and what they'll consent to. But at least it would be um, – it wouldn't be under the commission's control, and it would be a little bit of a market incentive to open it up. Um, and I think networks do want to take it back from the, from the commission. They don't like the commission either. So I think that's – You think what? Did we lose him again? No, I'm right here. I was just oh. saying, I oh, think okay. that's where there might be some, is the networks taking I just kept hearing static. Yeah, I, 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 I think it's gone now. But um, Okay, that's good. Um, yeah, I, I um, the, what, what I, what concerns me regarding that is that the Republican and Democratic candidates won't participate in any debate that is um, that is where the Libertarian is allowed to be in it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the other side of the and coin. Is we at least they're scared. Well, there's no shortcut to having enough support where to where they can't do that. I mean, if we've got if we're at you know 15 set aside the criteria, but just politically, if we've got 10 to 15 to 20% of the voters, then they can't afford to piss all of them off by refusing to debate us. But when we're down in the, you know, mid-low single digits, they can't afford to. And that seems to be part of, you know, there's just no shortcut. I mean, the debates are not a shortcut um, to doing the things we need to build support and have more support out there. I mean, it would be the make or break thing once we get into them. Um, but, you know, there's still no winning an election without a real mass movement behind it, without a voter mobilization mm-hmm. effort, without a party um, behind it that can muster enough votes to win an election. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just um uh, I just wonder what we can do going forward um to make uh, to make things different because I do agree with the people who say the Libertarian Party always waits until after they've selected their candidate to get serious about the debates and this and that. And I think, and and Gary certainly didn't do that. Um, But at the same time, from what I've heard, Gary didn't have the party behind him for much of what he was doing about debate inclusion. So, um, and I don't know if that's, he he couldn't, if, if the two couldn't mix or I don't know. But I think, that it needs to start now instead of in 2018 or 2019 or when I, I think, you know, things need to start happening now because whatever candidate we have in 2020 is not going to have the media attention that Gary Johnson had because there were two reasons why he had media attention. One, he was well. There were three reasons. One, he was governor of New Mexico. Two, he was the candidate last time. And three, he picked Bill Weld as his running mate. So, I mean, I I, yeah. I I don't think anyone would argue about that. I mean, I think it's certainly possible. I mean, I don't want to foreclose the possibility. It's possible that we will get a really good candidate. If we get, you know, say Bill Weld or Justin Amash or somebody really stellar, and they do better than we did this year, that'd Paul. be great. <laughs> no, <laughs> but no. Uh, <laughs> but I think more likely and more realistic is we will hopefully find somebody who's just not an embarrassment, and the party will go back to one and a half or two percent instead of all the way back to point four percent. Um, and then, you know, it's going to be, you know, yeah, this year was a peak. It probably, um, of us being equal, the vote totals will be down um, in 2020, but it's a matter of, one, continuing to represent the party and the message well, and two, continuing to build a a longer-term base that we can build on. I mean, if we go back to only doing twice as well instead of three or four times as well as we did before Gary, that's still progress we continue to move forward and build on. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I know some are worried, though, that um, when when the when the vote totals go down, or as in the case of, of this election, you know, everybody was hoping Gary would get at least 5%, and he didn't. So I hear some people on Facebook saying, well, you know, that – I'm I'm not staying here because this party's going nowhere and fast and um you know I and and I I can understand how people would feel that way. I mean, I'm in it for the long haul um unless they nominate certain people for president and then I'm I won't be bowing out gracefully, I can tell you that. <laughs> and I and I think you know who I'm referring to, Andy. <laughs> Oh, I've got a list of them. <laughs> Me too. Because <laughs> uh, I, I have heard some talk about a certain someone that I mentioned to you just a little while ago in your messages is thinking about throwing his hat in the ring. So uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have my computer in front of me. I'm afraid I'm eating. But, yeah, I'll, I'll check it out. I'm sure 
I'm sure there will be no shortage of candidates who I would be incapable of supporting seeking the nomination. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, well, um, before we before we close um, for tonight, because this is probably going to be one of our shorter shows, um, do you do either of you guys think that? Um, the electors in the electoral college are going to vote for someone other than Trump. I doubt it. Uh, not, not enough numbers to matter. Didn't one of them resign? Didn't one of one the of electors them, resign? Yeah, yeah. One of the ones in Texas who was talking about it very publicly was uh, my prediction is there will be a low single-digit number of Republican electors who vote for somebody else. So, you know, one, two, three, four, something like that. Um, Trump's got a margin of 36. Um, it's not going to change the result. It'll be kind of interesting to see how many Democrats um, they're saying they might vote for, a bunch of them are going to vote for Kasich to try to entice Republican electors to join them. I don't think that's going to go anywhere. Um, I think it's kind of interesting they picked Kasich. It's a shame they didn't pick Gary. Um, well, how can they pick Kasich when he wasn't even on the ballot? Well, they can pick whoever they want. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but it, it, you know, it'll be inter- I, I think there'll probably be four or five, maybe more Democrats doing it, which is, a, I mean, not going to change the outcome, but this is going to be a big deal because it'll be the biggest batch of faithless electors. Uh, possibly ever. Um, I mean, there hasn't been more than one in the same election since the, uh, you know, early 1800s. So, you know, that'll be a historical footnote of interest and maybe spur talk about reforming or changing the Electoral College. Um, But all roads lead to President Trump. Even if they somehow got him below 270, um, they would just throw it to the House, and the Republicans would push through Trump at this point. You think they would? Well, after he's been crowned president-elect already, and they they are all rallying right. Yeah, at this point, after the election, um, yeah, that there wouldn't be. I'd be surprised if there would be more than ten. Uh, Republican members of the House, and, and I spent a lot of time gaming out this scenario how it could work if you know Gary wants some states or something, and he did it that way. Um, but at this point, though, uh, none of they would they would absolutely not ditch Trump. Yeah. Mm. Well, well, it's going to be an I interesting. Guess. It's going to be an interesting uh, inauguration to see how many protests there are out there. You know, I imagine a lot. I imagine there will be a lot of pointless marching and sign waving that does nothing to actually oppose Trump, but will let people feel good about themselves. Well, all they're going to do is turn the majority of the American people against them. It's like blocking traffic on the interstate because you don't like Donald Trump. You're not going to win any well, favors. You know, I mean, people, good way to get your ass ran over. There's effective protesting and there's ineffective protesting. And well, that's not protesting. That's criminal action. That's being a well, criminal. Well, yeah, you're talking about the road, that sort of thing too. But I mean, even the stand in a park and hold a sign and sing a song. Even the traditional, <laughs> like, you know, where they get their permits or whatever, um, 
it's way past the point of diminishing returns. The novelty is so worn off that it, it, it nobody's mind has ever been changed by a protest march. Well, not that kind, anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, not that, not not in recent, not since you're talking about going back to the civil rights era and that sort of thing. But I mean, if you're you know, talking about that, getting in getting in my way when I'm on my way home after working 12 hours, and you're going to block the interstate. I'm sorry, but I'm not going to be very receptive to what you have to say. I'm just saying, you know. Hmm. Yeah, well, um, you know, yeah, the, the the protesting isn't isn't really doing any good. And you know, what I find funny is that during the debate, when um, one of the moderators, and I think it was a. I don't remember which moderator it was, but they asked Trump if if he if he lost the election, would he accept the results? And you know, he pulled that what he always does. So I don't know, you know, I I have to see, you know, and and so now, and the the Hillary Clinton supporters went wild, and even her campaign said, well, look, see, he won't, he he's not willing to accept whatever the American people vote. He's not willing to accept that. Well, now she's joined in on a recount. <laughs> yeah, well, sort of. I'll I'll say this in defense of the Hillary campaign: they're not really. I mean, who knows what's going on behind the scenes? But they're not really joining the recount. They're participating in observers just like the Trump campaign is. I mean, the Trump campaign is sending in its people to, you know, observe and stuff too. That's really all they're doing. Um, I don't know. It will be interesting to see. I think that it will be become a more persistent issue, and we will see some move uh, attempts uh, for electoral college reform, um, whether that means a national popular vote or something else. The fact that I mean, in the past, when there's been a mismatch between the popular vote and the electoral vote, mm-hmm. it's always been really, really close. Like, the Gore over Bush was the biggest one, and that was half a million votes and, like, 0.2% or something was the margin. Hillary won the national vote by two and a half million votes. I mean, and yeah, there's all the reasons why that doesn't count, and it might have been different if they campaigned different, yada, yada. But I think that will spur, whether you think it's a good thing or not, um, that's going to be an issue. I mean, the Democrats have been screwed twice now in 20 years by this. I think that we're about to see them get a lot more fired up about it, try to push stuff through to the states to do something like the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact. Well, I like what, um, what is it, Maine? I like what, what Maine pushed through um, – you know, with the with, with their, the what is it, voting. the ranked choice voting? Right. Yeah. No, that's that's mm. they did it unfortunately for everything except president. Um, but yeah, that'll be that'll be big for the LP potentially. Well, what uh, could they have? Could they have also done it for their for the president, or would that not have worked for them? No reason why they couldn't. They just didn't. Um, oh, okay. Partly, probably, be, probably because Maine is one of those states. I mean, like Trump won a congressional district in Maine. They're one of the two states that that does that. They elect two at large and then one per congressional district. Um, and they might have just kind of wanted to avoid that whole debate about whether or not 
to change mm-hmm. that or not or what to do with it or anything. So basically it was they passed an amendment and it's everything except president. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm glad they did it, did what they did. I'm not complaining. Um, I think that's going to be big for the LP there. I really do. Um, mm. I mean, it wouldn't surprise no. me at all if um, – if after the next election, Maine is the only state with both a green and at least one libertarian in the uh, state legislature. They have a really strong green party there in the state, too. They might benefit from it more than we do initially, but um, I could see both of those getting seats. Yeah. Um, So with currently, um, the the two big elected libertarians uh, well, there are actually three, um, with one retiring. There's, what is it, Mark Madsen? In yes, he's Utah. retiring. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Laura Ebke in Nebraska. She's great. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think she's wonderful. And then the other guy is... Laura's a real asset to the party. She's what? She's a real asset to the party, and she's got a good chance yes. of being able to get good. Yeah, uh, and then the other guy is John, um, the the Nevada guy. John Moore. Um, yeah, John Moore, thank you. Um, now, he's up for re-election when? I think it's soon. It's soon. No, he already he lost his re-election. Oh, he did? <clears throat> Yes, oh, pretty, okay. pretty crushing. Um, uh, yeah, no, he's out. Oh, I did not know that. <laughs> I, I guess there was a reason it wasn't publicized. <laughs> yeah, no, nobody's – well, there was the big thing over him. But, you know, the party basically – both the state and national party basically dumped him um, because literally the only two votes he cast as a libertarian was in a special session – uh, for the NFL stadium subsidy and a sales tax increase, um, and it happened to be really? the stadium was going to be in his district. Yeah, yeah. The National Party like censured them and asked for their money. It was a big stink. But anyway, he he ended up going down to a, a third place defeat with like six percent. Um, the it was over the minute the Republicans decided to put a candidate in the race. Uh, the only hope he had of winning was maybe if it was a two way race. Um, and so yeah, no, he's he's gone and uh, not going to be a, probably a whole lot of people missing him. I now that is the strength. He voted for a a, a tax increase and a um, and a subsidy for a. Man, I mean, talk. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound right. I mean, that. that <laughs> I mean, I, maybe he was in favor of Trump's carrier deal too. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Uh, in fact, I think I did. And you know what? I actually did see him leaving a comment in favor of Trump's carrier deal. <laughs> but it's going to be huge. Oh, well. It's going to be huge. <laughs> It's huge. Yeah, yeah. he was uh, the, the Nevada, uh, and then the Nevada guys had been making a big issue out of opposing both of these bills. One of them was the stadium subsidy for the uh, the Raiders moving to Vegas, 
and the other was uh, a more cops sales tax increase. And, you know, the Nevada party had didn't make a big, big deal. And this, he just showed up and it was, yeah. He didn't even, have, he didn't even have a good explanation. He didn't have like some kind of, oh, it was a horse trade and then I got this part or it was, he was just wrong. He was wrong mm-hmm. and he didn't have a good explanation. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Well, uh, we but don't have to worry about that with Laura. So the one we do have still in office right now, as of January, once you know all the terms flip over, um, Laura Epke is on because she's on a four-year term. They're elected, so she was elected in 2014 and is up again in 2018. Um, she will be running for re-election. She told me uh, that she could end up with some sort of committee chairmanship that could potentially be a big deal. Um, and but most importantly, because it's it's a formally nonpartisan legislature, there's no party ballot labels on the uh, on the ballot. Um, which you know, I mean, yeah, we love to have the word libertarian, but it really helps us. I mean, everybody basically runs as as formally as an independent. Um, and so, even though she'll be our candidate, and we'll support her and everything. Of course, uh, mm-hmm. I think she's got a. She's got a very good chance of being the first libertarian state legislator to be reelected since probably the early 80s, maybe mm. in the 90s, Hampshire. It's either either the 80s in Alaska or the 90s in New Hampshire was the last time we had a LP state legislator get reelected. Yeah, I think – who was the guy from um, Alaska – that was one a presidential candidate in like the early nineties. Oh, Andre Maru. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wasn't he wasn't he in the Alaska legislature? Yep, yep. He was in the Alaska State Legislature along with a batch of them they had up there and then he was uh Ron Paul's running mate in nineteen eighty eight candidate in ninety two for, for president, yeah. Yeah, I, I forgot he was Ron Paul's running mate. Who, um, Andre Moreau. Who, you know, in 2012, yeah. when, when he endorsed him, you know, that's what we tatted it out as the headline, was Ron Paul's running mate endorses kid. <laughs> endorses what? Oh, I was just saying that's what we blasted it out as, was Ron Paul's running mate endorses Gary Johnson from when it happened oh, in 2012. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, who who were Harry Brown's two VP candidates? Do you remember or know? Oh, I know one of them was a woman, and I want to. I I don't. I don't. Joe George. Was it so Mary? Was, one was year there a they... Mary? No, it wasn't Mary Rubert. Um That's who I was thinking of. Yeah, no, that's not. He, she was never. I don't know. It was a woman one year, and I think in 2000 they stuck him with some guy that he didn't want, and I can't even remember what his name was. Yeah, that's what I was getting at because they gave him somebody that he did not want, and that is why um, the guy from North Carolina. He told me this at the convention. Oh, Sean Hall. Uh, but yeah, he yeah, told Sean me the Hall. Same thing. Going around telling a lot of people that, and I give him a lot of credit for it because he 
he had been supporting Austin for the nomination, but then afterwards he he immediately went and changed into his Gary Johnson shirt and went around whipping votes for for Bill. Yes, um, and and another person that was really good at the convention was Gary's cousin, um, Diane. Oh, Diane. Yeah, Bostow, she was. Yes. Cause, cause, yeah, because people were were saying, you know, they did not know that she was Gary's cousin, and I don't think she wanted people to know that. Um, she didn't really, I knew she it. didn't really talk to Brian. I mean, she ran for Congress this year in the um, Upper Peninsula of Michigan, um, that district that covers it. And uh, uh, I met her a few times. She came down to our Milwaukee rally, too. And, yeah, she was there in Orlando. Uh, but, no, she didn't really – I mean, she didn't run on being Gary's cousin or anything. She was a school teacher and a <laughs> um, Yeah, but she, I mean, I just remember there were several times at the convention she would be talking with people and they would be saying, well, I like Gary, but I'm I'm definitely not voting for Bill Weld. He's a statist. You know, that's, um, he disagrees with me on half an issue, so he's a statist. <laughs> and and she was very good at talking to these people about why they should vote for for Bill Weld. You know, um, if you trust Gary to be your nominee, why don't you trust him to pick his running mate? I mean, she said exactly. that to me, and I said I agree. Yeah, no, I saw I had that similar conversation with. Uh, at least a couple dozen delegates. Um, at one point, at some point, a guy, you know, took off his his button for one of the other VP candidates and, and put on his Johnson Weld button, and I thought I thought that was pretty cool. But um, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it would have it would have crippled the campaign, and that would have been the end of it. Um, I don't even I don't even maybe Gary would have stuck through it, or maybe I don't know. But um, it would have it would have been effectively the end of the campaign and be sending him out of the gate with a broken leg. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, what would you think about having um, the candidate, you know, having the candidates run together? And if you, say oh, if you vote for time. Gary, you're automatically voting for bill. Yeah, no, I think, I think it should it should be like that, or maybe having an up or down vote on the presidential. You know, after we have the presidential nominee, if they have a preference, it goes to an up or down vote. Then maybe, but uh, this business of having a completely separate, parallel, identical VP vote with the candidates for I mean, no other can. No, you ever you ever see in any other party candidates for the vice presidential nomination? It's not a thing. Running for vice president is not a thing. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, Pence might think it is, but it's not. <laughs> um, well, uh, Pence, Pence got it because Trump picked him. It was, you know, that's how, how any party. Uh, and you know, there might be pressure on them to to satisfy something or other, but they, it should be. I mean, I think the party of liberty should not be into forced marriages. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I I think it's um 
I think it's pretty stupid, but you know. And it was um, it was really valuable having people like Sean, and he wasn't the only one making this case. A lot of people who'd been around in the party and remembered the last time. I think that might have been the only time uh, we had done that that we had rejected the nominee's endorsement for vice president, and um, and it was a disaster. You know, it was a disaster, and the candidate was basically uninvolved, and they didn't promote him. They didn't even mention him in any of the campaign materials. Because, um, like it or not, the presidential candidate runs the show. Um, the vice presidential candidate gets uh, guaranteed nothing more than their team. Yeah. So, well, we've covered a lot of ground tonight, and uh, hopefully next time we will have a good guest. Um, so we don't have to do all the talking. Hey, before we go, um, um I just wanted to get your opinion on. Mad Dog Mattis, Andy Craig, what did you think of uh, General Mattis being appointed or nominated? I'm not sure. I mean, he, I mean, by all, without a doubt, he is qualified. I'm still not sure what to think about this whole appointing a general business. I mean, there is a good reason that there's a law against it. And yeah, there's been waivers granted before, but those were very reluctant waivers and very special sort of, you know, it was an ex-general who happened to also be the outgoing Secretary of State um, <laughs> was the last time they authorized it. Um, and I think it does potentially set a bad precedent. We don't want uh, our four-star admirals and generals to be jockeying to be the next Secretary of Defense. And that's why that was in place. Um, so you know, I think he gets, I mean, I'm sure it'll probably go through. Um, and whether or not he'll be, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know. There's been reasons for, even though, yeah, he was the general that ran Iraq and Afghanistan and all that, there's some signs of hope that he might not be terribly hawkish, that he might share some of that kind of vaguely non-interventionist talk that we heard some of from Trump, even though he contradicted himself. Um, I, you know, I don't know. Um, ask ask me when he bombs his first country. <laughs> but it's humanitarian bombing. Yeah. Right, right. Well, you know, I mean, I, I think there's no doubt that he is um, a very um, effective and brilliant um, military tactician and that he's competent, at least in that regard, and so that's good. Um, I don't think we'll see I don't think we would have ever seen him do Like Rumsfeld did And stumble into Iraq with No real post-war plan And not enough troops And all that sort of You know um, I think I, I You know So there's reasons to be optimistic I am a little bit worried about the precedent I don't we don't want that to become a regular thing where the Secretary of Defense is regularly filled by a recently retired Admiral or General. Well, you know, if he ran for president in four years, his slogan could be Mad Dog 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. So, all right, gentlemen, we'll, we'll we'll end it there tonight, and hopefully we'll have a, a guest on our next show. 
And so you guys have have a um, a good evening. All right, you too. We will talk to you later. Take care. All right. Bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.